Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. What's up, innovators? Tamara here, your host and experiential risk taker. That's how I innovate. How do you innovate? How about you go to gotolaunchstreet.com and find out how to tap your greatest competitive advantage? Do you admire those people that, I don't know, they seem to see opportunities where the rest of us just see gaps? I know I do. I'm always in awe of those people. The ability to see what's missing and then bring to life a way to fill it it's a real skill. In fact, it's a skill of people that have an instinctual style of innovation, like Jack Haldrup, the founder of Dr. Squatch. That's right, kind of like Sasquatch. (laughs) This is an all-natural line of grooming products for men with names like Pine Tar and Bay Rum. Jack was searching and searching for a product that was gentle on the skin, but still masculine. Didn't exist, so he created it. We can all learn a lot, from finding innovation in the gaps, kind of like we talk about in this interview. Enjoy. Jack, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, now that I've used your products, which we will dig into, I smell great, and I'm even more so looking forward to the conversation. But since we're new to each other, what's one thing people would be surprised to learn about you? Yeah, I don't know if this is surprising, but something I'm really into this time of year is March Madness, college basketball. I'm just a huge fan of all of it. I love the brackets. I love cheering for the underdog. So here's my question, though. Do you map out ahead of time? I'm assuming you're in some kind of league, right, where there's points and like prizes. But are you good at, at guessing who's going to move forward and making those like making those predeterminations? Sometimes, you know, I think I won one at my dad's office when I was like 12 and maybe that's when I became obsessed with it because, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the best. Oh my God, that's awesome. Hey, sometimes all you need is a little validation to keep going in life, right? Yeah. That's so funny. I don't, I don't watch it all. In fact, I, when you said it just this minute, I thought, oh yeah, that's right. Basketball's on. <laughs> that's funny. So tell us about Dr. Squatch and the story behind it. Yeah. So it started a little over six years ago. I had a corporate job and I, you know, I don't know if I was like specifically, I read the four hour work week, but I, I know I read it around that time frame, and I basically like realized that I needed to start a business or that I wanted to start a business. And so that was going on in like one part of my brain. Right. And then, so then I had to like come up with a business idea, which is always the hardest part. And so I just kind of started looking at things that were going on in my life and I happened to be simultaneously kind of going through or going down this rabbit hole of getting really into nutrition, which was kicked off um, by these symptoms that I started getting that are actually from like an autoimmune skin condition that I have. So, you know, long story short, I got really into nutrition and looking at natural ways to manage the symptoms. And then that got me interested in personal care products because obviously I'm putting those directly on my skin. I have these skin problems. And so um, I started looking into that. I started using you know, higher quality products, more natural products. And in particular, I was a big fan of these uh, like handmade soaps that I was buying at, at farmer's markets or like specialty stores. 
And um, I just thought it was interesting that I, I used a soap and I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like, I really like how it feels. I like the whole experience. And to me, that was something that I'd never thought about my entire life. And so it kind of just clicked and, you know, specifically what I wanted to do and why kind of the Dr. Squatch brand was born was I wanted to take this product that I thought was really good and try to sell it to an audience that normally wouldn't buy it, which is kind of like just men in general, or kind of like what I would say is like, you know, the average guy or just like, you know, a young guy that's not necessarily super into, you know, natural products, um, basically convince him to try this through kind of funny branding. So I just want to ask you quickly about your funny branding. Cause one of the things that I loved, what it, uh, I do love is the name of the soaps. Mm-hmm. Like they're so different. Well, what are, which are some of your favorites? So my personal favorite is the gold moss. Um, it's kind of like this woody, almost little sweet, uh, flavor to it. And then also the bay rum, um, those are my favorites. Our bestseller is pine tar, which is a very, I loved that name know, by the way. I just it's a polarizing one. It's, it's black and it's like, it's got the sand in it. So it's really heavy duty. So it's kind of a love it or hate it type of product. You know, so I, when I got the products, I used that one pine tar. Cause I was like, Oh, that sounds awesome. interesting. Yeah. And then I realized I was walking around all day smelling like a 20 year old year old man. I was like, why are people looking at me funny? I'm a 46 year old woman. I don't see the problem. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, a couple things I want to ask you about. First is you just said it, right? You wanted to see if you could sell this product to a, a target audience who doesn't normally think about this type of stuff. In approaching a target audience that way that's maybe not prime, doesn't have past experience, um, but you know there's a need, how did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, so first and foremost, I knew that if I could create a product that I wanted to buy, like I would be a customer for, then I knew that like, I just had to find more people like me. So I kind of just on a logical level, that's that's where I started. And I would say in a lot of ways, when I started the company, I was just too naive to know if th- this was going to be hard or I, I just didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. Uh, my only frame of reference was like, okay, I just have to build something that I know is good. Otherwise, like, how can I tell people it's a good product if I don't know myself? So I, I just kind of started there. Um, and what was the initial response? Initial response was like more positive than I expected. Um, I remember... I remember starting to get some of the first sales that like weren't coming from friends and family and getting positive feedback. And I was like, Oh wow, this like, this could actually go somewhere. And I think the first three, three or four months that I was doing it was kind of in the Christmas period. Um, like I said, it's about six years ago and you know, we sold a, f- sold a few thousand dollars worth. And I was like, wow, like this is, <laughs> this is amazing. It, yeah. You know, exactly. Like, I'm a first time entrepreneur. You know, my frame of reference for that was like, wow, this is like, you know, this is going to be big or like, you know, I didn't really have any, <laughs> any reference points. So. Um, the other question I wanted to ask is, I mean, you, you definitely have a different niche and, and for kind of launch readers, you'll see it when you see the product, the, the name, the packaging, like it definitely, I think it definitely stands out. But you know, I, I was in the grocery store the other day and I was walking down the beauty aisle and I was totally overwhelmed by the amount of choices. Like it is such a crowded category overall and there's just extensions on extensions on extensions how did how did you position yourself in a way that really did stand out from all the other options out there because it's really like it's like the cereal aisle too both of those aisles you're like good god how many choices do i have totally so when i think about innovation around our product we we think about it at at the product level but also extending out to like the entire customer and marketing experience. And so what I mean by that is 
is we're kind of specifically targeting and specifically doing really well with with basically attracting guys who have kind of been using whatever for their whole lives, um, just whatever they're used to or whatever is convenient or whatever their, their girlfriend or wife uses or whatever they've been using since they were a kid in terms of their, you know, soap or shower product and getting them to like rethink that and basically introducing you know, So We have to like crack, crack that window or crack that idea into their head that that might be, there might be something better out there. And then we're convincing them that ours is the best option. So we're much more going after that customer and converting them to try like a natural soap product for the first time than necessarily saying like, you know, within all these natural soaps, like we're the best because of XYZ and we're competing against these other ones. So I think we're a little bit uniquely positioned in the fact that we're bringing this traditionally handmade product that's oftentimes, you know, like I said, sold at farmer's markets or small grocery stores and we're, we're selling it to a mass market online of guys. So that's insightful. So if I hear you right, Jack, really what you're saying is you, instead of putting yourself on a shelf and going, pick me because I have X more amount of whatever scent, natural mm-hmm. ingredients, whatever you're mm-hmm. saying, Oh, we're going to go find them before they hit that point mm-hmm. and get them hooked yeah. on our stuff. Yeah. And I think it's important to innovate on multiple levels. I mean, we, within our product, I mean, we definitely sell a really high quality product and it's, and it's all natural. So there's certain features about that, but at the end of the day, that, that type of stuff can always be replicated by a competitor or can always be, you can, you can kind of do that forever and go down that like feature rabbit, you know, competition. So, you know, one of the things that I'm, I just struck me as you were talking is, you know, the, I always talk about this thing called the ER trap, the ER trap, better, faster, stronger. And that's a hard, you just said it, right? That's a hard place c- to compete because someone else can replicate it. You have to have a great product. So we'll just, we know that's true about your product. So sure. like you have to that's have that. Entry, yeah, sure. right. It's a barrier to entry. Um, how do you, so how do you then go about actually finding these young men? Like wh- what is your, when you think about innovation and marketing, how are you going about it in a way that allows you to capture them at that moment? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I think, so just to kind of bring it back to that supermarket example, like you said, when you're walking down the aisle, like, so we did spend a lot of time on our packaging and tried to make it stand out. But, you know, we have the opportunity when we're selling online to tell a story. And so that we can do that with our content, whether it's video or, or you know, just on our website. Um, so I think that that allows us a lot more room to to tell a story to the customer about why why they should think about their soap. Like, you know, is calling out some of the the things about you know commercialized soap and the and the you know chemical ingredients in there that may not be great for you, and 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 showing how ours could be better, like telling that story in a way that will catch their attention. And you know, what we really try to do is serve them content that they're going to enjoy watching, regardless of if they're going to end up buying the product or not. So, are most of your sales online then? Yeah, yeah, ninety nine percent. So fascinating to me the shift that we've gone from retail being so important to I wouldn't say being irrelevant but definitely not the driver for so many products these days. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's I think we'll get there hopefully, you know, and eventually. Um, and I think it definitely has its place. Um, but if we're if we want to sell our product in a retail environment, you know, it's it's going to be a way different challenge. And and you know, yeah, we we all we have it really is our or package to tell the story. So I have to imagine that once, you know, my, my nephew, Greg starts using Dr. Squatch that he gets hooked (laughs) on it. Right. Like, and he must be kind of, I'm kind of making this up, but tell me if I'm wrong. He, he must be, I would assume kind of proud then afterwards because of the branding and the name and, you know, it's all natural. Like, is there total bragging rights to go along with your customers? 
Totally. I think, and you, if you, if you look at some of our, our Facebook comments in particular, you, you see that happening and you see people debating in the comments, like on ads, like, you know, Hey, is this worth $7? And then people are like, yeah, like I tried this one. And, and so I think it, um, one thing that's unique about this product is, is, is the masculine branding in this category. And I think it is allows guys to, like you said, get excited or, or proud in a way to talk about them using it versus um, that maybe not been something that they, they used to do with their other products. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff Zoe is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy. But before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. You know, um, I think, and I've seen this over and over again, sometimes when you do something innovative the way you did, um, the marketplace tries to pull you towards being like everybody else. You like tries to wash you out a little bit. Ha, no pun intended. That's funny. <laughs> um, how do you ensure and how are you thinking about ensuring that you stay innovative and true to the brand? Yeah, I think, well, I think so that kind of origin story that I told you is, is true. And that still resonates with like how we think about our products and how we think about you know, new product development, whether that is like new categories of products or, or new soaps. And I think we, you know, it's, it's a mix between like talking about this with a lot of people the other day, but it's kind of this balance between collecting feedback from your customers and understanding what they want, but still having like a driving vision of your own. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be completely just only listening to customers because then you may not be, you know, getting truly innovative ideas and you don't want to just like do stuff in a vacuum uh, that you don't know if people will like. So it's a little bit of like really understanding that customer feedback while still having 
the vision, which, you know, for us is kind of that core idea about bringing all natural products to, to mass market guys. So will you give me an example of that? Or I'd like to dig in a little bit further because I think sure. you're right that there is a really an, a balance between feedback and vision because I think customers, I've done a lot of market research in my years and customers are awesome and they're really good at telling you how to solve yesterday's problems because that's what they know. <laughs> so how, sure. how, do you, how do you actually achieve that balance? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think it's something that as a company, we're still trying to figure out. I think that we do it really well in marketing. I think in terms of at the product level, it's still it's still something that we're, we're trying to figure out um, within the marketing specifically. Like we, we use, I would say, like a structured process to kind of help our creativity. Um, so we have this kind of like growth marketing process where we we collect ideas from the whole team put all the ideas up, have a way that we, we rank the ideas. And then we choose specific ideas to launch every week, depending on kind of like business needs or different, different, uh, features within the idea. So we, we're trying to bring some process to, to creativity, I guess. And is everybody in the company a part of that? Everybody that touches marketing is involved in that. Yeah. Interesting. And do you mind me asking, how do you rank ideas? Cause that, that to me is, um, yeah. You know, people get so like, don't call my baby ugly. They get passionate about <laughs> things, right? And that's totally understandable. You want passionate people. But there's also an objectivity that has to happen. So what have you found is the key to doing it in a way that allows you to drive innovation, but not maybe get yeah. bogged down things that are more, maybe not the right thing to move forward? Yeah, well, so first and foremost, like it, we have a culture that encourages just the openness. And so we, anybody can put up any idea. It doesn't have to be something that's like specific to their job role. And the the fact that we have kind of this like giant board that we use, it's a software, but in, you know, yeah. <laughs> as an analogy, we'll call it a giant board. So anybody can throw up whatever idea they want. And the idea itself is not really like, it's not judged on being either good or bad, but the ideas are categorized as like, what is the potential impact, you know, from one to 10, what is the confidence we have in this idea working? And then what is like the ease or the effort required? Um, so it, it systematizes it in that way. And then we also categorize it in terms of different area of the marketing funnel. Um, so we have different goals with marketing. Like we have goals on acquiring more customers. We have goals on getting more efficient with our costs or getting more kind of engaging ad content. And then we have goals around like, um, improving lifetime value. So we know as a business, like, Hey, you know, this quarter, for example, we really want to focus on most mostly on getting new customers. So we're going to pick mostly ideas in that area. And then what we can talk about the ones so, that are there. So launch street, I, I think what's important to kind of take a pause and listen first is you have goals that you're actually innovating against, which is great. Cause now you're not really, they're just throwing stuff up on the wall to see what sticks. And second, um, there's something really powerful about not debating each other, but putting the ideas on the wall. They're not that they're anonymous. I mean, sometimes you know where the ideas come from, but don't you find that it, it takes the personalization out of it when you're not looking at each other, you're looking at the wall. Totally, totally, yeah. And it's and it's not that any idea is like bad or good. Like I said, it's about does it fit right now or does it have potentially the most impact or maybe it's really easy and we don't have much time this this week. So Yeah. What do you think has been some of the keys to your success? And I'm curious from both an internal company culture perspective as well as maybe an external market perspective. Um I mean, keys to success for me personally, I would say is a big one has been surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs. So I moved to San Diego a couple of years ago uh, to specifically live in this entrepreneur house. And so I was living with, and I lived there for about two years. 
Um, but I moved to the city without knowing anybody previously. And, um, it was the most just beneficial environment that I've ever lived in, in terms of like growing my network and just, um, having kind of positive energy around me of, of the, of the other people going on similar journey. Um, so that, I'd say that was like a really a big one. Isn't it? A, I don't know where you came from, but it really is amazing. Um, how important it is to have a community around you because I think there's this myth out there that we're like these lone innovators in our garages by ourselves and it just doesn't really work that way totally totally yeah it it can being in that mindset I know for me I would say definitely definitely held me back or slowed down the growth of the company and then also just um it makes you think I would say inaccurately about a lot of stuff Mm, what do you mean Um, I would say that there was a point where I didn't feel like I had a lot of support in the company. And so I brought on a business partner, um, in large part because I basically wanted to have somebody to talk about the business with, not because I necessarily thought he was bringing specific skills to the table and that's not that he didn't have skills, but it was, it was a very personal decision, um, which in hindsight was not you know, great business decision. Right, right. Well, you get all in your head, right? And you start making decisions that way. And I think that's true for a lot of us, whether we work in companies or for ourselves, we we make the mistake of getting in our heads and then making the decisions based on that, which I don't think always works. Um, when you look to the future for Dr. Squatch, I just love saying the name too, by the way. <laughs> so obviously, if you're listening, you probably get Sasquatch is where it comes from. Um, what's in store in the future? Yeah, so we're we're actually in the process of, of raising money right now. So that's that's something that's pretty exciting for us. Um, you know, really, we're looking to grow. And I think what's most exciting for me is really building out a much bigger team um, in the next 12 to 18 months and kind of being able to build out my dream marketing team. That's <laughs> what I kind of call it. So yeah. that's really the goal. How do you think about growth? Well, we look at growth... Um, you know, our business is very data driven and we, we have a, like a, a paid customer acquisition model. So we're really focused on really like three main things. It's how many new customers are we acquiring? How much is it costing us? And how much is that customer worth to us over a given period of time? And so when we think of growth, I mean, you, you know, revenue is great and that's, that's definitely an indicator, but like we're really looking at are we growing our new customer base in, the, in a cost-effective way and are we continuing to add value to those customers and, and therefore increase their lifetime value. I love that because I think I, I just reading this book, which I now will forget the name of because it's like three things. It's a phrase. It's too long for me to remember. But what I loved about it, it's all about smart business growth. It's like simple numbers, smart growth or something. And Is, what it, I, is it the, the profit book, the accounting one? Yes. Yeah, great Crabtree. I forget the name of it too, but it's really good. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's too long. The name's too long. But the book is phenomenal. And I'll put the link in the show notes for anyone who wants. I'll find it and put it on there because it is a really good book on how you think about growth. Yeah, me too. But the reason I asked that, and I was having this conversation earlier with someone, is one of the things that that, um, I really kind of had an aha moment when I'm reading that book was about, you know, we look at the top line of revenue, but we often fail to recognize, well, what did it cost us to deliver on that? Sure. revenue on this product sold on the whatever um so i wanted to get your perspective on how you think about growth because i it sounds like you're doing it but we we often forget that the whole all the lines that come underneath the revenue yeah it's a challenge and it, it really depends on i mean what i said was important but it also depends on what your goal is right and so maybe your goal is profit to have a lifestyle business for your family and you want to have time to spend with your kids 
versus your goal is, you know, you really want to grow a huge company and you're willing to have a couple of years where you're focused on that and you're not making as much money to the bottom line. It's very hard to do both, at least in my experience. Yeah, I think you're, I 100% think you're right about that. I can tell you firsthand, the balance is tough. How do you think about competition? I have to imagine now that people are seeing that you're doing it successfully, that others are coming in. Totally. Um, yeah, we, we compete with so many, I mean, we're in, in soap, so it's such a commoditized market and we compete um, in so many areas. So I think for us, it's, it's we, we have to stay authentic to the customer um, with the products and the content that we that we create and just continue to do that. I want to bring it back to you for a minute. Um, how do you, how do you innovate? Yeah, um, so I, I think similar to like what I was talking about with the growth process, that's a big part of it. And then I would say on a personal level, I like to I like to have a really structured schedule um, where I, I break off time to, to work. So I'm the type of person that, that likes to get in the zone for, you know, three or four hours and not be interrupted and kind of like get deep on a project. Um, I'm pretty analytical and like systems kind of mindset. And so I like to work on that type of stuff. So creating space to that on either a day to day or a week basis in my schedule specifically and not taking meetings. Um, so for me, it's usually, anywhere from like nine to, to noon or 10 to one or, or space like that um, to carve out is something that has really worked for me. All right. Be honest though. Do people abide by that? Because that's what well, I, I don't. Yeah. I, it can be hard, especially with the team, but I don't allow outside parties to schedule time with me in those windows. Like it's just not available on my calendar. And it's tough, for, it's tough being on Pacific time. Cause a lot of people on the East coast yes. will be like, I can only meet this time. But you have to protect that. And you don't have to do it five days a week. Um, you know, so maybe find what, what days you're also more effective. Maybe Monday you're not, <laughs> you need a warm-up period. I know that I usually do. So. Oh, God, yeah. We got to figure out what the, what the week has in store first before you can, like, wrap your head around it. But the other thing I appreciate about what you're saying is that, like, you're a, a, a super data analytical guy. And it just is a great reminder to, I think, all of us that you you don't have to be the wild purple streak in your hair person to innovate. In fact, that's really not the case, actually. It comes from a lot of different places, and you're a great example of that. Yeah, I call it, yeah, structured creativity. Yeah, I love it. I schedule time, too, but I'm not sure I'm as good as enforcing it, so that's on me, I think. Um, in your company, how do you ensure that innovation is something that everybody either is a part of or has top of mind? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, again, is that that growth process. So, so yeah, we, so we have a place for all the ideas to be put up. And then we have, you know, a weekly meeting where they're all discussed. And so um, I think it's a huge part of it. And then just, you know, trying to call out or, or like, acknowledge people, especially when, when things go really well with, with stuff that they're working on. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, I wrote down as you were talking um, a couple times now, actually, is, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is um, Dr. Squatch is really a great example of innovation that happens to be right in front of you. Like you had a need, there was nothing in the marketplace. How, how do you think about that? Like, is there a lot of innovation right in front of us? Do we need to go blue skies? Like kind of what's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that different things work for different people. Um, and I'm curious to know more about, you know, your innovation kind of, um, you know, personalities. Yeah. Which but, you're, a, let me go back. You're an instinctual risk taker. Yeah. I'm which totally make instinctual risk taker, which we'll t- we can it. talk about. It totally makes sense given some that of the things sense. you're saying. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I just know that that has worked for me, and, and I have, you know, I have software ideas that I know I could potentially work on that solve problems that I have in my company. So that's just the way that I think. Um, I think there's other people out there that are are better at coming up with these like big, new, crazy ideas, um, but that hasn't been me. <laughs> so I can only speak to what has really worked for me, um, which has been internal driven. And, and again, I'll say it's because, you know, I meet a lot of people that, that want to start businesses, especially around products and they, they'll, they'll do stuff on Amazon. And I very rarely hear that, like the person that goes to Amazon and finds some random niche that's underdeveloped, um, you know, those people, and then, you know, creates a product around that. Like those people I see them, you know, they make money for a little period of time, but I've, I've very rarely right. seen like anybody build like a real business off of that. And I think they're just lacking kind of the insight to, to innovate or to drive things at a certain level. It's so fascinating, Jack, hearing you talk. So the ins- I'm just going to tell you really quickly, the and we can talk offline more if you want, but the instinctual risk taker. So instinctuals, people like you are really good at, um, you know, you have a little bit more of a securitist thought pattern. So you go A to L to X over to two back to A, while the rest of us are a little bit more logical A to B to C. But because of that, you're able to see patterns and trends before the rest of us and connect dots in new and meaningful ways. So when you talk about inventing Dr. Squatch and how you kind of saw this thing and there was this thing happening over here, like that's the instinctual side. Interesting. Yeah, with the ability to pull it all together. And then the risk taker is about being willing to be uncomfortable and innovating in those uncomfortable moments. So you talked about, you know, moving and going into this entrepreneur house and launching online. And um, risk taking is not about being spontaneous or frivolous in your risks. It's it's about being more willing to be uncomfortable and being willing to go bold. So it's that combination, but you were just saying that, and I was like, oh my God, that's totally him. I can hear it. That's great. Um, <laughs> and everybody cool. does it a little bit differently, right? Which I'm sure you see on your team that, you know, Jill over here in marketing thinks about things differently. You know, Bob over here is, is an inquisitive, so he innovates by asking questions. Like, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, but I appreciate that you've been able to pull that together to create this company. It's super cool. Um, before we end up, where can people go to learn and then connect more with Dr. Squatch and you? Yeah, I would say my one request would be to have people either go to our YouTube channel or our website and just watch watch our video. <laughs> so I think it I think it's I think it'll be worth your time. And I think you know whether you're interested in, in marketing or innovation, I think that that really kind of you know when you have a brand and this idea that you create, it doesn't always like I feel like I was way further along in my head with what our company represented and our product ah. represented than than the reality showed. You know, especially like at the beginning, I had this like vision, but like our website was terrible. The packaging was pretty lame and like all this stuff. And I feel like this video is the first time that everything kind of came together for like what I wanted it to represent. So that was just a really cool moment. Um, That's very cool. And I and thank you for admitting that, because I think, you know, it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback and and it's very easy to look at successes and go, oh, look at that like that. Look how he just he killed it. But the reality is there are a lot of missteps along the way to get yeah. you to that place. So I love that this video for you represents like yeah. all of it kind of coming together. And I think it's also a great example of, I mean, we know the power of YouTube, but it's a great example of you don't have to do things in the traditional way. The playing field is so even that you can kind of launch the way you want to these days. Um, yeah, and I totally. think that's really, I think it's an exciting time for innovators kind of regardless of what you do. Um, last question for you is what's the first step people listening can take to find the opportunities that are right in front of them? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're like me and you're instinctual, I guess, um, I would say 
once just put that in your in your head that you know that the best ideas for you for innovation will come with like things that are happening in your own life and i think once you open up to that um and you'll start to put that frame on on things that are happening in your life and you'll start to identify opportunities yourself to start to notice problems or things that are going on that that could be opportunities i love it it's like have, just having your eyes open to even see it most of us have our heads down we're not paying attention to anything besides our tasks so jack thank you so much for stopping by i love dr squatch as i told you kind of offline before we started my 14 year old son has basically taken half of it from me because he <laughs> loves it i was like hey that was for me but right, i guess he it's probably working. yeah it's totally working in our house my 10 year old's <laughs> next so thank you for coming by yeah thanks for having me for real my teenage son loves the pine tar soap that actually smells good and what a great example of bringing an innovative product to life in an innovative way I can't tell you how many times I look at a new product or service and they're really, they're quite innovative, yet they go to market in the same old boring way. Here's a hint. No one is going to know your product or service is innovative, that it can add value to them if you market, sell, talk about it in the same old way, because all you're doing there is adding to the noise. Tamara out. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.